Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have tonight again to study your word. We trust you, merciful Father, that by your spirit you will teach us and open our eyes to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are still on our study on prayer first, and we're talking about things we need to know about prayer, and then the direction we're going is not a traditional way that you know people teach on prayer because they focus on faith or on this. But the Lord is leading us in a different trajectory, and I, I'm speaking to see what He's doing. He's, he's preparing us for 2024. This preparation started way back and been coming in the series of preachings and teachings that we've been receiving about our lives. We should begin to focus and see where we are with him, you know, to reposition ourselves for what is coming to us in 2024. So last week we were teaching that we need to focus on the primary will of God for us as we pray this season, which is to conform to the image of Christ, to be like Christ, to let Christ in us break forth to manifest his life, Christ in us needs to break forth, needs to break out to manifest his life and his light to the world around us that lies in darkness. Christ is the light of this world. Our flesh can be a hindrance and a major one. Instead of being a witness for Christ, we can become a witness against Christ and an effective witness for the world and the flesh. While we profess to know him, but in works, what we say, how we behave, we deny him. This is not what we want to do, though. But then when we do that, our witnessing becomes unbelievable. We are no more credible witnesses for Christ among our children, neighbors, co-workers, we may not even realize that, that they've, they've stopped. They've stopped taking us serious. They have since stopped taking us serious. We can't be boozing all over the place, shouting scriptures. They're not taking us serious anymore. And then the tragedy is what we do to our children. What we do to our ch innocent children that God blessed us with. What, what, what witness we leave for these children to see and confuse them if we are not credible witnesses. And then people really wonder, as they look at some of our behaviors, what credentials we really have left as Christians. So Tatos said, Tatos 1.16, they profess that they know God, but in works, they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good works reprobate. Disobedient, unto every work reprobate. They don't have any plans to change. Just forget it. Any effort to change is a lukewarm attempt. It's not even, it doesn't even gear towards achieving result. But this is the time you know, as the year draws to an end, that we need to really begin to look at ourselves. 
and ask ourselves, whose image are we really, am I displaying? Whose image are you displaying? Whose image are you displaying? If that is the primary will of God that Christ will seen in us, revealed through us, I think I, at the year ends, we should really take a look again at where we are in this plan of God for our lives. So David said in Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Because God sees us for real. Know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David understands that we as human beings, we give ourselves pass mark very easily. But he knows that the only person who can tell us exactly how we are is God. So at this point, as the year is joined to an end, we should be able to really go to the Lord and say, I need a checkup from you. Lest I'm deceiving myself. So as we pray for our needs, we should pray for our needs, we need to understand that these stands are primary for every Christian. In the mind of God, in the book of God, in the word of God, in the scripture, this stands as primary. But you know, not many people care. Not many people care. But unfortunately, it affects you and I directly. If we're not reflecting the image of Christ, something else is wrong and it's not good for us. James 4.4, say you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. When I'm a friend of the world, the Holy Spirit says, I've made myself an enemy of God. Does it not directly affect me? When, when my passion is for the things of this world and I rationalize them and my platform supports, my, the platform I support is the same thing the devil is churning out in the world. I'm even protecting them, you know, really, fighting on the side of the enemy, the God of this world. Whatever they do, I do. I love men. I can't love them enough. They are my standard. The scripture says, whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Can, you, can we afford that? Verse 5, do you think that the scripture said in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusted to envy, but he giveth more grace wherefore he said, God resists the proud. Now, if pride is in my life, in which case, I don't take correction, I get angry when things don't work my way, I'm a controlling person, a control freak, totally control freak, I have made myself God. Everybody must obey me, bow to me, if you dare not do what I said, you get my trouble. And I can suck for weeks and months because I didn't get my way. I can cause trouble. I'm exalted, highly lifted up. Uh, I've said it and I keep saying it. Pride is very destructive because the scripture says, that if you lift yourself up, God says, I will bring you down myself. 
and pride will blind you to your own issues. But the scripture tells us that God resists the proud. I mean, if, if I'm not interested in dealing with this, if I notice it in my life, do I want God to be resisting me every day? My prayer, my everything, leading to serious frustration. Leading to serious frustration. You know, there is a scripture that talks about the law uh, of, uh, the law of the uh, spirit of uh, life in Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death. When the, the law will lead me, we'll talk about it. You see, when you violate these laws of sin and death, you're inviting death. You're inviting it. Because the scripture says, if you follow the flesh, you shall surely die. So it affects you and I directly if we don't take it seriously. As the year is ending, what are we doing with frustration? What are we doing with frustration? Praying in tongues, no power, seeing nothing. Hebrew 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Life of faith, said it last time. Mark that in your scripture. They just live by faith, not by them that means. The life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Something slows me down. Is it not in my own interest that I would take it off? Especially the sin that so easily trips me up. I mean, the natural, who wants to be falling down? Who wants to? No progress, that's what it means. It hinders our spiritual progress. By the grace of God, as we go into 2024, as the Lord will give me grace and lead me, we'll go deeper into this. Thing. First John 2, 11. But he that hated his brother is in darkness. Brethren, if I refuse to forgive you, I put myself in spiritual darkness. There is no revelation coming. That's darkness. There's no revelation coming. There's no faith coming. And the shield of faith, I can't build up. And there's no victory coming. Is it not, is it not wisdom that I should do it with? I'll forgive quickly, quickly, and get out of that rut. But he that hated his brother is in darkness. And walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither his great, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Have you seen people do things and talk and you're wondering, is there anything wrong here? And they think they are smart and awesome. There's darkness there. It does not have the ability to see that what he's doing and what he's saying is not spiritual, right? James 1.26 says, But if any man among you seems to be religious, and really let not his tongue, but deceive his own heart, this man's religion is vain. When we can't, when we can't, we spew whatever comes out, all in the name of anger. We have no more control over our tongue. 
The Bible says that religion is waste of time. You see how these things really affect us. When you notice that you are lying, you really, really, you are lying all the time. And brethren, let me even stop here and make a comment. If you have a compulsive behavior, behavior you are strong, compulsive, it takes over your life. It might be demonic. Are you contracted somewhere, somehow? It might be. I'm not saying always it is, but it might be demonic. And then whether it's demonic or not, these are the things you should go to God in persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. He will guide you out of it. He'll teach you. He either give you scriptures to believe, or he will tell you this, what, this why is not going to work. And sometimes, listen to me, sometimes God has given you instruction way back. Go and do this. You didn't do that, and that's the reason that thing is persisting. You didn't do that. Five years ago, two years ago, you, you, you rationalized God out of it, but he didn't know he was solving a problem for you. If any man among you seem to be religious, really not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. I mean, if, 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 if my mouth is poisoned and people say that and people know me for that, shouldn't it bother me? Shouldn't it really bother me that I'm deceiving my heart? James 1.22. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Doing the word, walking in the word. The scripture says, if I'm not doing that, that I'm just deceiving myself. Quit me, say, profit me not. Ephesians 4.27 says, for anger gives a foothold to the, to the devil. So if I'm easily taken by anger and men, oh, it's so common in the body of Christ. It's really so common. You hear them in their meetings, raising voices. You, you wonder, where is the gentleness of Christ here? I was sharing with Muhammad. I said, it's one scripture that when you read, you should think that Jesus, the Bible says Jesus knowing that all things have been committed into his hand. Everybody should read it. Knowing that the Father had committed everything he holds into his hand. You think he will come and say, well, you know, I'm anointed. No, 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 no. What he did was carry bucket to go and wash their feet. Opposite of what we do. Read it in your, knowing that the Father has committed everything into his hand. The Bible says he took bucket and water. Started washing their feet. Is it not contrary, opposite to us? Anointing has come, nobody talks to me. He washes their feet. That moment is the moment he shows complete, complete lowliness of heart. Teaching us that everything God endows us with is for the service of people and God. When you serve people, you serve God. When you love people, you love God. He washed their, he say, you tell them, say, you know what I'm doing to you? He said, I'm your Lord, but this is the way. I want you to do things with everything I'm giving you. So if, if anger, if, if why, why the anger? It's because my, my way is blocked. 
I, somebody to agree with me. It's always like that. Anger comes because my way is blocked. What I want is not anger. Somebody, somebody says something opposed to what I said. And whether I understand what they said or not, I'm angry. It's about me. About me. Most of the time. There is anger that is justified against evil. There's anger that is justified against evil. Against evil. But there's anger that is selfish. There's anger against evil. You hate evil. You hate it. You hate iniquity. You hate it. But there's anger that is for selfish ends. The Bible says it gives food to the devil. That if, that if I'm doing something that gives the devil a place in my life, is it not affecting me directly? Shouldn't I at this period say to the Lord, this anger must stop? I read about Wigglesworth. God used this man awesome. Then he raised about 15 or so many people from the dead. And his ministry was so incredible. He said to the Lord, I cannot serve you with anger in my heart. He stayed in the house, locked himself up. He said to the Lord, I'm not moving out here because I'm not going to be a good servant of Jesus if this thing that is unlike Christ is in my heart. You, you are God, you can help me out. And the man didn't know how to read and write. He did, his wife taught him to read and write. So it wasn't as if you, he read a lot of scriptures. So he was just doing what he knew. The, the, the testimony is that the man came, came out of there a very meek person. And you know, that's the spirit that God, God says, I love meek people. I love meek people. Easily entreated. That, that's the spirit from heaven. Man, if, if I had this contrary thing, if that man didn't do that, don't you think it would have affected him, affected his ministry, limited him severely? So all these things affect us directly. That's why as the year is drawing to an end, we should be able to be honest with ourselves and go to the Lord and say, Lord, I think it's time for, for me to be honest here. There's no need covering up. When your conscience is fighting you, you are rationalizing it and arguing with him and say, I didn't do anything. Just justifying it. You are covering what will destroy your life. Here is our Lord Jesus teaching us that the focus of his followers should be towards eternal life. That's the focus of the same thing the Holy Spirit put for the church. The Lord Jesus taught it longest time before he died. Look at it in John chapter 6, 26. Jesus answered them, assure you, answered them, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, most solemnly, I'm telling you, if you have been searching for me, <laughs> fasting and seeking for me. Not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with loaves and were filled and satisfied. You sat in me for bread. Why do we check our prayer list? Most of our songs of praise is about things that perish. I love some of these songwriters who really take us to the depth of the things. Begin to talk about the love of God, his mercies, his good. Man, I can see everything turning around. All we're dreaming about is more money. But the one he gave you, nobody shares out of it. More money, more this, turning around. 
and most fellowship will run around with miracle, miracle. Some of them, don't, they don't even know miracle they're looking for. Miracle, miracle, miracle. You were fed with the loaves and were filled and satisfied. That's why you are coming here. One pastor wrote about how she was fasting for anointing. God should anoint her. The Lord said to him, why should I even anoint him? Oh, he said, I want to serve. He said, no, so it's not true. The reason you want this so because, he said, because you went to the church and ministered there and they gave you a lot of money. He says, after that, you started fasting. He said, I know your heart. All you want is to promote yourself. You're not getting it. Listen to me. If you really want to prove your heart, watch what you ask for. Mostly it's for God to use you, God to do this, God to do this. Why don't you pray that God will use the body of Christ? Whoever he uses, we should be fine. Let God use the body of Christ. And you prove to God is, I'm not put, put, projecting myself really. Anybody is fine. Provided they are moving among us. Provided they are doing this among us. Again, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray that God should use you. But how about also praying that God should use everybody, other people? And here is what our Lord said. Stop toiling and doing and producing. Stop toiling. Stop doing. Stop producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using. But strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food which endures continually into life eternal. Jesus said, hey, I came to give you life. That's the key thing. Walk, walk towards that. That this life produces in your life. It says, which endures continually unto eternal life, the Son of Man will give this is what I came to give you, to give, the person I should give, furnish you that for God the Father has authorized and satisfied him, put this, his seal and endorsement upon him. I came to give you life. That's more important than all this other things. Don't follow me for all this. Things. When, you, when you check in with me and then you begin to manifest my life, you, you, can, you can begin to enjoy my authority and my power. You can speak things into me. You can do, you start acting naturally. You start, start acting like me. Because you can, I, I can inspire you. You start acting in the spiritual realm where miracles take place. I, I remember I was reading John G. Lake. I, was, I read after John G. Lake. He talked about how they needed a sister in the church to come and do something. Nobody knew where he was. He said to them, let's connect heaven. I mean, that language is awesome. He said, let's connect heaven. And they said, Lord, we need this sister so, so, so. We don't know why he is. Bring her for us in Jesus' name. Within three minutes, that sister came out. Say, is anybody looking for? Came from wherever she, she didn't know they were looking for. He came to John and said, John, are you really looking for me? The Lord said to her, leave everything and go there. They are looking for. That's what the advantage you have. The great, you live above the mundane, the powerless, and the limited. You, you live in the realm where there is faith that all things become possible. Your words become power like Samuel. You say things that happen. You, you know things that no, people don't know naturally. Because you, you, the spirit of Christ is dominant in your life. It, it puts you at the pedestal of power and authority and miracles.
My mentor said, he said, when I got my wife, the first wife I wanted to marry, the Lord, see how God works when you are really in tune with him. He said, I was going home after service, and the Lord said to me, look into that car. So I looked into that. That was the girl I was about to marry with another man. And the, the car was dark, but God put light. I was seeing that, committing immorality. The very girl I was about to marry, God said, look into that car. I looked in there and saw her. That it was dark and dark cow, but God put light. See the advantage. I mean, it's, it's incredible. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have known. I think my wife read that story too. And it wasn't once. The next girl she wanted to marry, this girl, she, the same thing. And then when God married, said, I knew I would have two children, a boy and a girl. I knew my wife had short life. Bible said the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. So I knew she had short life. And I started praying to God that I want her life extended. And God honored it. No sweat, no fasting, no struggle, nothing. Absolutely nothing. When a man is living in the spirit, he's a supernatural being manifesting the life of Christ. It's not just about character. It's about everything that Christ is, his power, his glory, everything he is. So this is why Peter followed though. John 6, 6, 8. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? What is are we going? What are we going? Thou hast the word of eternal life. This word you give, this word we're hearing. Is the word that gives eternal life. We're not going anywhere. Because that's the thing that God wants us to pursue. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. So where else are we going? That there are these miracles there doesn't concern me. You have what I'm looking for. You have what you recommend. I'm following you. So there's need for us, brethren, to begin to practice heartfelt repentance. As Christians, when we notice our life is out of sync with the life of Christ in any area, it calls for genuine repentance. It's not something to be laughing over, you know, as long as you dress well, come to church, and people say, yeah, sister, brother, it's wonderful, but we know ourselves. James 4, 7, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's when you humble yourself before God, you can resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Nine, let there be tears for what you have done. Repentance means sorrow. There needs to be sorrow. There needs to be. The Bible calls it godly sorrow, which leads to repentance. If there is no sorrow, you are not repenting. You're not serious. It can be when you are blaming somebody for what you don't want to take responsibility, you are busy blaming other people. How can, how can there be sorrow? Sorrow is when you take responsibility and say, I did this thing. I really did this thing, and I'm sorry about it. 
godly sorrow. The Bible talks about the sorrow of the world. That is you are sorrowing because you were caught. Then you are angry with the person who told them. But instead of you being <laughs> repenting, you, got, you add fight. You start fighting. You won't talk to the person again because why? He told on you. You are sorrowful because you, you, your ego has been punctured. Not because of what you did, really. Let, let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. And gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. You want to see repentance? Go and read about David. That man knew how to repent before God. He knew how to be, come before the Lord and say, Lord, it's me. Apparently, these Christians were laughing. <laughs> they didn't call it, think it's important. Like today, many people don't think that these things are important. We must not make a peace treaty with the flesh. Don't sign a peace treaty with your flesh. Don't sit down and sign a peace treaty with your, I say, well, I'll peace with you, can be there, no problem. Do not do that. It's a dangerous thing to do. You must deal with the flesh. You must crucify the flesh. You must kill it. You, there's no room for the flesh in, in a Christian's life. You must deal with it. The Bible says we, should, we, should, we ought to crucify, put it to death by the power of the Spirit, power of Christ that works in us. Look at what the scripture tells us, 1 Peter 2, 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly loss, which war against your soul. It would destroy your soul. Cause people to backslide. I would say it weighs you down. It leads to, you follow the flesh, you say you shall surely, not whether, surely die. Surely. Surely. So Paul was warning the Corinthian church about this truth and how this is primary in our Christian life. Again, we're in the time of prayer to begin to point us to God's prayer topic, primary prayer topic, and what we should be. By the time we finish, you see the kind, how we can be praying about this. So Paul was warning the Corinthian church and warning every Christian though. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, he was trying to say that not everybody that runs this race wins the, wins the prize. It's not everybody. So 1 Corinthians 9.24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? All of us run. But one receives the prize. All of us run. Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. We don't run anyhow. That's a prize. That's a prize. 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we, we for an imperishable crown, 26. Therefore, I run toss, not with uncertainty. There has to be a definite goal of what I want to achieve, what, what I want to be. We can't enter 2024 with laissez fair and goalless things. Therefore, I run toss, not with uncertainty. Toss I fight, not as one who beats the air. 27, but I discipline my body. I don't let my body do anything it wants to. 
I'm not going to let this guy do anything he wants to. My mouth is not going to ruin my life. All that disaster of the flesh will know. It's not going to ruin my life. Say, so how can? Because we can do all things through Christ. We already give us strength and ability. We are no slaves to the flesh anymore. We have been set free from it. We were before Christ came. But after Christ came, we were empowered. He disciplined my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, so I myself should be disqualified. It disqualifies you from serving God. The flesh will disqualify you from serving God. What draws a church back is when you have a lot of kind people who are leaders. In any church. Because in, a, in their area of leadership, they bring carnality there. You give him, they bring carnality. Instead of promoting the things of Christ, it's about themselves. They're just fighting for who said this, who didn't say that. Who said this. They have no revelation. They have nothing to teach those people. The scripture says that the things, Peter said, the, the, the apostles, they said, we should commit this thing to men who are of good report, honest, full of the spirit, full of faith. Not just anybody. Not just anybody. Because it's regular. And then most body of Christ things really don't pray to find out who God wants. Because we walk by sight. And mark them, if you don't make them something, they get angry. That's how you know they are kind of. They get angry. They are not ready to serve and washing feet in other capacity. They want a prominent place. You know them by their fruit. In many churches, I'm not talking of our church. I'm talking of in many churches, I've observed, I've been this pastor for many years, so I should see. Paul said, I'll be disqualified. Because this is given to men of honest report, full of the spirit and faith. If I am not of honest report and the flesh is ruling me, and I'm no more full of the spirit and faith, I'm disqualified from serving. My service will mean nothing. I heard about the choir. They talked about this choir that had all manner of instruments and things like that. And then, you know, and then the minister. And then this, this pastor was saying that there's something with this thing. Something's wrong. There's no life. We're just entertainment. Entertainment. Just starting the flesh and the emotions. Disqualified from service. Honest report full of full of the spirit and faith. So Christ can burst forth through you. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Done many wonders in your name. 
And then I would declare to them, I never knew you were this wife. Depart from me, you were. You who practiced lawlessness, you couldn't be controlled by my spirit. You are not controlled by my spirit. You are lawless. You are out of control. But they did all these things. They did that. Paul said, not everybody that runs is going to win this prize. Second Corinthians 6 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Do not receive the gospel in vain and not win the prize. Then he gives an example with Israel. First Corinthians 10 from verse 1. It's a little bit lengthy, but it helps show us what we want to see here. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud as past all passed through the sea. All of them were under the cloud. All of them passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse 3. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. All of them. But look at what happened to them after all of this. In verse 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. After drinking all of this, of this he said, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They didn't get to where they were. They didn't win the prize. So in verse 6, he said, now these things came for example, to, to the intent that we should not lost after everything as they also lost it. He says, example to us, that they drank through this. They were baptized to Moses. All of them. All of them. But many of them, many of them, their bodies scattered there. They didn't get there. He says, an example to warn us. Verse 11. Now, all these things happened to them as example. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take heed, let's say four. And don't come and say, oh, this temptation is too much. He said, no. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to me. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, what you are able. But with the temptation will also make way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So you can't say to God, oh, this temptation is too much. No, he said, it's not an excuse at all. God is faithful. It's if you want to fall for it. But say, God is faithful. We'll not let you go beyond what you can be. And you will make a way. Of, he said, remember, all these people they went through the sea, baptizing to Moses, ate the manna, drank of that water. And he's telling us, you know, okay, we'll read about it. Exodus 17, 3. And the people tasted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou has brought us up out of Egypt to kill us? And our children and our cattle with us. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto these people? <laughs> they, they, they be almost ready to stone me. The Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people. Take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. Thou shalt smite the rock with the rod in your hand. 
that God put in your hand, signifying that God himself will smite Christ. He's going to smite the rock. When he smites the rock, life will flow out of him. It's when he died that we died and he rose, we rose. If he didn't die, if he was not smitten, we'll have life. We'll have life. That was when Moses did the thing twice. God said, you're done. You're done. It's once. Affliction cannot arise twice. Once. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel, so they are witnesses. And thy rod, thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, the, the thing I use for miracle, take it in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did that. So in the sight of the elders of Israel, he called the name of the place Massa. Merib and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So when the Lord said, they tempted me, saying, they are doubting me. So now we too have also, we drank of the same, the same water. This is, the church is trying to demonstrate that Christ will be smitten by God, and then water, life will come out of him. It's through death that we are saved. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one spirit, we are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be born or free, and have, been, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. From Christ, we got life. We have been baptized into one body. We become one body, the body of Christ. All of us. So, he said, this one is to us who, So they did not walk by faith. They doubted God. In Hebrew 4.1, let us therefore fear. Let's a promise be left us of entering into his race. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not be mixed with faith in them that had it. They did not believe what God said. They did not believe what God told them. They doubted God. They doubted God. Hebrew 4.11 says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let's say any man fall after the same example of unbelief. They doubted God. They did not believe God. I want you to listen to me. The problem comes from doubting God. It comes from ignorance of truth. An entire church was drifted away from walking in the spirit, walking by faith, into walking by, by the flesh. And listen to me, church. When you don't walk in the spirit, you walk by the flesh. You produce the works of the flesh. It's natural. You are going to produce it. You will. Because what you produce is works of the flesh. If you don't want to produce work of the flesh, you walk in the spirit and produce the fruit of the spirit. You can't mix them. Either this one is working in your life or this one is working in your life. 
an entire church. And they forgot that without faith it's impossible to please God. Now here is this whole church, Galatia. Galatia to one, oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning, listen to this, the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as, it, as if you, you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. You understood what his death meant. It is through his death you got life. When the rock was smitten, water came, life came. You ate the manna, which is the word, the gospel. And by believing, you started to see the reality of your salvation. You were walking by faith, walking in the spirit. Then these false teachers came and deceived them. Verse 2, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you had about Christ. That's how you received the things of the gospel. You simply believe the message. You believe the message, it changes your life. You believe the message, it gives, it makes, you begin to enjoy what you believe. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the spirit, walking in the spirit? When you talk of spirit realm, you're talking of faith because it's a realm you don't see. Faith. But when you talk about the carnal and the natural, you're not talking of faith. You're talking about what you see. And it is all these things that, is, that we're talking about that is affecting the Christian life. It's from the flesh. It's not of the spirit. All this anger and the lying, they are works of the flesh. Hypocrisy. All of them work of the flesh. So what type of prayer was Paul really praying? So we too can begin to, because if you see that faith keeps you in the spirit, doubt keeps you in the flesh, the difference is that this man doubting has no knowledge of the truth. Has doubt, is doubting because he doesn't know the truth. This person believing knows the truth. You shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. This person is walking in knowledge. This person is walking in ignorance. He started doubting whether it's true or not. So it's not sure. So he doesn't know that. He doesn't know the truth. So what kind of prayer was Paul praying? Colossians 1.28. Paul said, so we tell others about Christ. Warning everyone. And teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Let me read it again. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Perfect in their relationship to Christ. Perfect. In believing who Christ is, what he did in their life, everything that he did on the cross, in their relationship to Christ. That is why we walk and struggle so hard, depending, amazing, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within us. In their relationship with Christ, so they can depend on him, so they can rely on him, so they can walk and believe the things they don't see that he did for them, so that his spirit will burst forth, will manifest through them. 
Chapter 2, verse 1. I remember that this was not written in chapters. It people put chapters to make it easy for us for reference. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you. He's still talking to the same church. How much I have agonized for you and for the church in Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. That's how they can have a perfect relationship with Christ. When they understand God's plan, consummated, completed for them in Christ for their own glory, for their own life, for their own safety, for their own freedom. Perfect relationship in Christ comes from understanding God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. God has no other plan for you. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. In Christ lies everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. Bringing you into perfect relationship with him is that you know that plan that God consummated for you in Christ. It's not a plan you make. No, it's not about what you do. It's about what God consummated. That's how. That's how. Brethren, if you know that truth, it will set you free. There's no struggle. Freedom is your redemptive right. It's your redemptive right. So this is, this is what Paul wrote to Romans, the book, church in Rome, and to us. Romans chapter 6. Let's just read it. What, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Am I going to have my mouth to deceive me? My mouth to you know, I'm out, anger, all this thing controlling me. Am I going to have pride? And or am I going to continue in all of these things? He said, no. Paul said, no, 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 no. He said, well, should we keep on doing all of that? So that God can keep on showing us more and more wonderful grace, being prideful, being argumentative, you know, being um, uh, whatever. He said, of course not, since we have died to sin. Say, you died to this thing. Perfect relationship to Christ is understanding the plan. The plan is that in Christ, you died to sin. When God smitted his son, the rock was smitten, water came out, life came out. So drink life. Jesus said, if you thirst, come and drink. Or he said, he said, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? How can we continue to live in this, live in that, live in that, live in that? We died to these things. We have died to them. Of you, read the plan. Understand the plan. Get to know the plan. So you don't doubt the plan. You walk by faith. It's a life of faith. There's no other way. There's no other way. They just live by faith. There's no other way. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death now, for we died 
and we are buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live a new life. The plan. Paul said, I am praying and traveling that they understand the plan, which is Christ himself. The hope of glory. Verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Verse 6. We know that our old sinful, sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So why am I struggling with sin? It's because I don't know that that thing has lost its power. I don't believe it. I've been told a Christian does not lie. Stop lying. And I'm struggling to stop lying. But they should point me to the plan. Because in the plan, I see my freedom. In the plan, I see what God has done. The plan God has executed. And all I do is to embrace it. God has no two plans. Whatever plan I'm putting is self-made, self, self, uh, <laughs> I never can put it. It's all this self-made uh, something. It's worthless. It's the plan. It's the plan. Verse 6. We know that our own sinful self was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Do you believe that? The plan. So we pray to know this plan, consummated in Christ Jesus. So we accept the plan, believe it for ourselves, and see it manifest in reality. You see that sin has no power over it. You are not that person that talks, that they're angry. You are not that person. The person you are is, is the life of Christ. You receive a new life that doesn't behave like that. Colossians 3 and have, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. <laughs> this change comes to knowledge. It comes through knowledge of the plan consummated in Christ. After the image of him that created him, the new living translation says, put on the new creature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It comes through knowledge. Ignorance will never give you that. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric. It doesn't matter where you came from. Christ is all that matters in this plan because he's the plan. And he lives in all of us. Let's read, read Paul's example. 2 Corinthians 5.30. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for your benefit. Either way, either way Christ's love controls us. Something sustainable is controlling me. I am not holding on to the thing. If I'm holding on, I'll get tired. No, but that thing is holding me. I mean, if I, ride, if I tie something around me and it's holding me, I'll never be tired. He said, the, the love of Christ has involved me and is controlling everything. I don't, it's not poor. 
because I've embraced the plan and I've embraced Christ in me, I'm bursting forth and manifesting. Either way, Christ's love controls me. Since we believe, see why? See why? Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. What we just read? The plan. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, eternal life, Jesus said, hey, hey, stop following me for food. Follow me because of eternal life. Follow me for eternal life. Follow me for eternal life. He died for everyone so that, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. See how they live? They no longer live for themselves. Why? Because Christ is selfless. He's love. Say the love of God. Love is selflessness. It's not selfish. Controls me. It's not by trying to be a good man, trying to be a nice person, improving my character. It's not character management. No, it's a entirely new life. It's Christ within me. That's what it is. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we taught Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Did you hear that? Exactly what he wrote in the Romans. He said, this life is gone now. The old life is gone. All that anger thing is gone. Yeah, it's not you. It's all gone. It's all gone. A new life has begun. Who is Christ? And all of this is a gift from God. Then earn it. It's grace. Look at what how Message Bible wrote. It said Mark chapter 4, verse 20. It said, But the seed planted in the good earth represent those who hear the word and embrace it. <laughs> you hear the good news, you hear the plan, you be here, yeah, that's me. Wow, that's what he did. Lord, thank you. Man, this is amazing. The more you understand it, the more you know it, the more you're, you're deeper in it, the more your faith is deeper in it, the, the more manifestation you see, the more grounded you are, the stronger you are in Christ. The more Christ manifests, not just character, he manifests his glory, his wisdom. You begin to live a life beyond you. Far beyond. I was talking to somebody, I said, I was in my house. I didn't, I didn't even remember you. 12 minutes after 12, as I saw you, you were drifting away from God, just like that. And the Lord said, this is, this is, this is. You see, your spirit begins to function. It's a wonder. It's a wonder. It's a serious wonder. You embrace it. Embrace Christ. The supernatural. <laughs> Man, I don't know how to say. This, he is the power of God. Embrace the supernatural and live in that lame realm of his group. All these mundane things, all these anger things, all this lying and the mundane. They have no glory. They have no value whatsoever. What are you doing with them? What, are you doing with them? what, what does it do for your life? Romans 8.4. And now... What the Lord could ask for, but we couldn't deliver. 
is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in our lives. Enter into his rest and embrace what he's doing, not what you are doing. That thing you are trying to do is plan B. God doesn't, you are not the one. Embrace what he did. Then he will make you what he will be. He will make you. You can't make yourself. You know, we say these things, but we don't really do them. It's sweet to talk about them. But to, to embrace Christ, it's a different bargain. Because your flesh will fight you, the devil will fight you, all manner of things will come after you. Does it work? It doesn't work? No. It's by faith and it works. If you are persistent. See, the main reason that the church sins, I'll show you. First Corinthians 11, 29. It's ignorance. The, any problem in the life of a Christian, answer is the truth. The day he knows the truth about it, that truth works. The scripture says, my people, not other people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The reason the church was sinning is, is ignorance, nothingness. First Corinthians 11 28, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread, drink of, the cup, of that cup, 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Why are they doing that? Not discerning the lost body. <laughs> See, that's why they're doing all of it. It's this Corinthian church, they come for Holy Communion. They get drunk. They be, they be fighting over it. It's like, and Paul said, they don't know where they are. They don't discern the body of Christ. It's not talking about the bread being the body that you eat, no. Because look at First Corinthians 10, 17. For we be many are one bread. It's, 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 it's a metaphor. The word bread is metaphorical. It said the whole church is one bread. Are we eating ourselves? He's using bread as a metaphor. It's one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. We are bread. His bread. He just, it's just talk, it's metaphorical. That we have the same body and we're sharing the same life of Christ. The same life of Christ. Say they don't discern where they are. That's why they are doing that. Ananias and Sapphira didn't discern where they are. Acts 5 3. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled their heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? They stood there talking to Peter. Peter said, You don't know who is here. And to keep back part of the price of the land, why it remained, was it not thy own? And after it was sold, was it not thy own? in thy own power. Why has thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied to men, but to God. He didn't know. He thought that churches will come. Like people behave to do, if churches will come and do whatever they like. Paul wrote to his son, he said, when you go to, when you go to that church, be careful. There's the spirit of God there. Don't go there and be behaving anyhow. First Timothy 3.15, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Know how you conduct yourself there. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. My son, don't go there and behave anyhow. Timothy. It's a gathering. The spirit of God is there. The spirit of Christ is there. Angels are there. 
A lot of people don't know it. Look at Corinthian church. First Corinthians 6, 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? They didn't know who they are. Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of unhallowed? They say, you take, you are a member of Christ, joined to Christ. You go and sleep with a hallowed. You are taking your body that bought with a price that belongs to Christ and be joining it to a hallowed. See, you, you don't design your body. You don't know who you are. See, that's the reason you are doing that. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of unhallowed? God forbid. What? Know you not that he which is joined and hallowed is one body. He's telling them, he said, you don't know these things. You are joining yourself to a hallowed, you become one body. And that's why demons jump. Because they brought them to me in Lagos. Demons jump. When we do these things, your body joins to your body. Demonic spirit walking that person jumps into you. I had a sister, a woman that came to me, said, it's a pastor. I had a morality with somebody. And from that day, I started to have brain seizure. The man was having brain seizure. It stopped in him, started happening in me. Pastor Tunde brought her to me. He said, the, the man zone stopped. I took over the problem. I said, yeah, that spirit moved into your body. If we know these things, we run away from them. They're destructive. For two, they say, shall become one flesh. You become one flesh with her now, with him now. So the spirit in this body, it's one flesh. <laughs> you become one flesh. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but it does happen. Verse 19. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, they don't know this. Is. The reason they are doing this is ignorance. They think, I was just born again. I'm born again, though, Sha. Born again. Praise the Lord, sister. Born again. Don't understand what it They don't know the plan that was consummated. And how that plan has lifted them out of shame to glory that they are carriers of divine presence. Carriers of divine presence. Think of it, people. Carrier of the Holy Spirit. So the same reason, so many people, they tolerate, they make peace treaty with all manner of things in their lives because they don't understand who they are. It's ignorance. When they talk, it's like poo. I'm telling you what it does to even our children, people around us. When we get angry, it's like the world will collapse. What spirit is that? Because people are ignorant. Jesus said, you don't know the type of spirit you have. That's why you're calling for fire. You don't understand. So our prayer should be like Paul. Our attack is on ignorance. With prayer, we attack ignorance. And we study, we attack ignorance. Because when we know the truth, the truth begins to walk and make us free. See it now, all of them, Paul was telling them, all the problem you had is ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. 
First, Ephesians 1.16. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened now, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that why he called you, what the plan is now, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, that, that towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, to understand the greatness of the spirit in you, what he can do. What The Lord asked me one day, he said, my power in you, what are you people doing with it? <laughs> what is he doing with you? What is he doing for you? Why is everything crawling, overcoming you when you have the greater one in you? Why not believe and put the power to you? Colossians 1. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. This is a continuous prayer. We ask God to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. See what we need? Spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. So that these things are revealed to us. The plan is revealed to us. So in believing, we experience. Jesus said, only believe, you see it. Embrace it, you see it. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord now. But there has to be spiritual wisdom and understanding first. First. First, I travel that I present them perfect in their relationship with Christ. That they will understand God's plan is Christ himself. It's Christ himself consummated in him. He's all and all. You're complete in him. You don't need nothing else. You're complete in him. Let me read it again. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your life will produce every kind of good fruit. You see how it works? Through revelation. Not through, you know, trying to do, trying to get better. Have you not been doing it and failing? Shouldn't you stop? How long will you do it and know this doesn't work? Verse 11, we also pray that strengthen them with all his glorious power so you have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. These are the kind of prayers that we're talking about in this season that will that we shift you from a place where you shouldn't be to the place where Christ died to put you. A place where you, might, you experience the reality of the kingdom that is in you and the kingdom to which you belong, and the spirit that is in you, and you begin to have intimacy with him. And we can only be renewed by the renewing of our mind. It's not by force, it's not by power, it's not by might, it's only by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Let me go and teach about healing. About healing. Well, um, Talking about healing, we need to understand that we need to fight the good fight of faith and resist the devil. You must know what you are facing 
is the devil. You must know it. If you don't know it, you are not going to really fight effectively. You must be convinced that this is devil. This is Satan. This is devil. You must be convinced. Acts 10 to 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All of them were oppressed of the devil. All of them. For God was with him. That same Jesus is in you. That same Jesus has taken residence in you. And has given you the authority to use his name. He has given you that authority. Sealed in the covenant of blood. That all he has is yours. Use my name. Go deal with it. So must be convinced. Oh, I don't waste time. Once I sent no, Alante from Smith Wigglesworth. He said, "Don't let the sin tongue get too big." And you see, you need a lot of a lot of effort. No, no. He said, "Once it's, when the water is still coming, that's when you fight it and kick it out." I don't wait. Pay. No, 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 no. Not in my body. In Jesus' name, get out. This is the work of Satan. This is not what Jesus died to give me. It's a Satan. You're not, you not putting it on me, devil. Devil, you're not doing it in Jesus' name. You're under my feet. You're not coming out. Out you go with your pain. And I don't want it. That's it. It has never failed. I said to the day, I don't tolerate pain. Didn't you read the Bible? Jesus bore my sicknesses, bore my pain. I don't have, affliction cannot come twice. So before I can't train in Jesus' name, take your pain and get out of here. It's you. It's you. I reign over you. You're under my feet. You're not coming out there. You're not crawling out of there. Luke 13, 16. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, lo, these 18 years, Satan bound her. Jesus said, you ought it not to be loose from this bond, this Sabbath day. This one said, shouldn't you, shouldn't uh, Pastor Shinedu be free today? After all I did, died for, took his sickness, he should be free. No? He ought to be free. Ought not this woman be free? Why Jesus said to you? He said, because you have a covenant of healing with God. God said to Israel, I'm the God that healed you. And I shall take sickness out, out, out of you. I'm the God that healed you. See, look at what she said. Being a daughter of Abraham. Is she not in the covenant with Abraham, covenant with God through Abraham? Covenant of healing? That's what Jesus said. He said, he said, and ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? That's the reason. That's the reason. That's a, that's a covenant that God said, I can't break it. I'm your God that he led me. Whom Satan had bound, low this 18 years, be loose from this bond on a Sabbath day. Shouldn't she be free? Is she not a daughter of Abraham under a covenant? That's not even, oh man. John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, to destroy. That's how you know the work of Satan. The only thing but deceive you. Anything that comes to destroy Anything that comes to kill, anything that comes to steal, is not God. 
is the devil. It's not God, it's the devil. Our Lord Jesus told us, that's how you know the ministry of the devil, and you know my ministry. What is his ministry? Look at that. He says, I am come that you might have life. Didn't come that you should die. He came that you have life, have it more abundantly. Didn't come that I would die. He came to give me life. Once we realize what we are dealing with, once you unmask the devil, you've won the battle three quarter way. Because he works most when you don't even know he's the one. When your mind is not even identifying who is behind it. He works most when you are ignorant. The moment you identify him, that is him. Is it this the devil? You've three quarter battle is won. Oh man, you've gone three quarter way. Because he likes to hide and convince you it's not him. No, you should be convinced this is the devil. Satan, Jesus came to give me life. This one that's bringing this thing is not Christ. It's not part of my covenant bride in Christ. No, 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 it's the killer. Psalm 1-4. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. And listen to this one. His faithful promises. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Oh, man. Hebrews chapter 6. It says, my word is my oath and my promise. He said, I want to convince those who are run to me for refuge that this word is infallible. It does not change under any circumstance. He said, by oath, by oath, God swore. He said, my word is oath to you to convince you, you that run to me, to hold me in your circumstance, to convince you that this word doesn't change. Nothing changes it. You can trust it. It's a Christ has gone in for you. Secured it with him, with his blood on your behalf. Connecting you so that this hope you have is an anchor that will hold you in time of trouble. Did you know the extent God went? Extent God has gone. He said, by two immutable things, it's impossible for God to lie. Why did God do that? He said, I want to convince all of you that have run to me for refuge. That my word is infallible. It's impossible for me to lie. Because I know what you are dealing with. My promises are your armor. Build a shield of faith with the, my word and protection. It will quench every fiery dart of the devil, no matter what it is. And like I've said, the word will be in your mouth, in your heart. Your mouth. Romans 10 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Then it explained it. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and now with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, unto reality. You have to say it. If God said that the way it works, the Lord came to me one time, he said to me, he said, he said I want to start speaking the word now. I said, really? He said, yes, it's important. He said, okay, if somebody sits there, you want him to come. Will you come? Unless you say so. I said, no. he said, so when you release the word, even the sickness you are talking to hears. Say so. They hear you. It has, it has life. That's why it's trying to kill you. It has, is it not activity it has? 
Everything working against us has activity and has kind of form of spiritual life or whatever behind it. You, so you release the word of God. You send it out. You say it. You confess it. Don't sit down there and be waiting for, no, no. Nothing will happen until you start, you make it happen. You get up and fight the good fight of it. Hold, the Bible says you hold fast to what God has given you. God has given you life, given you health. Hold it fast and fight the devil off your, your life. Kick him out. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be put to shame. Yeah. Because you believe, you say, you say it. Always speak the scripture. It's a battle of confession. You overcome with the blood and the testimony of your mind. So they want you to change that testimony and start talking about what they're doing. Don't fall for it. I don't care what they're doing. Says, even if you, you can't talk anymore, in your heart be saying it. After Hannah prayed in her heart, in your heart be saying it. I'm, I still have life. I'm talking. I'm, Lord, there's something wrong about it. In this heart, Hannah was, God had it. I'm saying it. Jesus is my healer. Devil, you can't kill me. You are a liar. Jesus took my sickness, took my pains. Man, fight. It works. But you got to speak with authority. It's not something you say. <laughs> We're dealing with a spirit that is really determined to cause harm. He didn't come to joke. He came to kill. Determined to take your life if you let him. Scatter your marriage if you let him. From nothing that is nothing. Some, something big comes out. Scatter your church if you let him. Scatter everything. Destroy your business if you let him. If you let him. If you let him. But the good news is that he that is not is greater than him. I will have authority over him. I will have the Holy Spirit to guide us. We're always a step ahead of him. So look at how you talk. Look 432. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Uh-huh. There's no negotiation. It's, the Bible says where the word of a king is, there's power. You got to say it with power. Say it like you mean it. Say it like he must, they must respond. Must respond. Luke 4, 35. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold that peace. Please hold that peace, you know. Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> Don't do that. Nope, no, 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 no. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold that peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And we are all amazed. Speak among themselves saying, what a word is this? That's the key. Friends, that's the key. What a word is this. For with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they come out. With authority and power, 
When you confess the word of God and speak it, you should speak it with authority and power. Speak it with conviction. Speak it that you mean it. Speak it that it's true. Knowing who you are dealing with is a rebellious spirit. Speak it with authority. Speak it with power. Let your voice carry authority. Me, you're talking to, they should hear the authority. These people had the authority in the voice of Jesus. And they recognized it. So the enemy, the enemy, those things should hear the authority that you are releasing there. Why? Because you are speaking the word of God. You are on good grounds. You have become God's mouthpiece there. You are the oracle of God. You are, you are a certified, certified oracle of God. You have certification. You have authorized. You are authorized. You are allowed. It's given to you. You are totally certified by heaven to stand and represent Christ as his ambassador. You are certified by, by God. Stand there. Certified. Sent to them. So you go and win battles to the glory of God. You are certified. You are the ambassador. You are the ambassador. You are the plan. We understand it. You know what he made you to be. You know your privileges. You know what you can do. He said you can do. Why? Because he says you did through my strength in you. You can do all this. You know. How you do it? You fight them off. I keep saying it. If you win the first battle, whoo, the second one is easier. The third one, yeah, bam, bam, bam. It's I don't, I don't forget the uh, pastor, Pastor Uduna, when he came to me. You know, God taught me this in earlier, that ministry is not making people dependent on you. That's not ministry. Ministry is making people dependent on Christ. If they can't depend on Christ, you have not bring them into a perfect relationship with him. Then you are not in ministry. You are not in his ministry. Ministry is developing people who are disciples of Christ, who are in relationship with him who have come to understand the plan so that they become instruments in his hand to show forth the glory of he that called them on their own, on their own. They don't, they don't need you. If you have children, you have, don't have children who they can't go to school, they can't do anything, and then you, you say you, you, are, you are good. No, no, no. You train them. You make them learn to do this, learn to cook. At a point, they are cooking for you. They are going to market. They buy this. They are adults. We are God's children too. Ministry is not lining up every Sunday. Pastor, pray for me. Lay hands on me. That's not ministry. If I come in a church like that, I'll leave. I won't be there. Because I know that no, I won't grow. I want a church where people are independent. Where people know how to pray. They know how to approach God. They know, they know how to fight. People understand what Christianity is. And it's working for them. They study the Bible and they enjoy it. I want to be in a place where I grow spiritually, not being a spiritual baby that's talking like a children, quarreling all over the place. So we speak with authority, we speak with power. You've got to do it. That's the way Jesus did it. There's no other way. This, look, there's not, there's not like being nice. It doesn't come for... Nice for what? There's nothing like nicety there. 
Forget about this nice thing. It doesn't work. No, 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 no. You pull off all gloves. All gloves are off. Because you're fighting life. If you need to yell at him, yell at him if you need to. Say so. Be saved with authority. Say with power. Let them, let them know you mean what you're saying. If they can detect that you are not, oh man, they are going nowhere. If they can ever detect from your voice, from your attitude, that there's a possibility that you are not really sure, they are not going nowhere. You have to leave the devil with no doubt in his mind that there is no chance for you stepping down. There's no chance. There's no one, no one in a million for you to doubt this. Thing. Then he will know you mean it. He will respond. Your faith is your victory. Your faith is your victory. You fight until you don't give up your confession or faith. You fight. Keep fighting. Let the redeemed say so. Let the healed say so. You keep fighting. Speak over your children. Speak over them. Whether I've seen anything or not. See, keep saying so. Keep saying so. Then the Spirit of God start directing you. Start giving you instructions. Because you are not keen into what He wants you to do. He start giving you instructions. You find that victory is not too difficult. Sometimes I tell you it's time for you to worship me now. Start worshiping me. Start praising me. Start. He'll guide you to victory. Now, these are the two scriptures that we have been sharing with us. You don't, have, you don't need too many scriptures. Even one will do for you. But I'm just sharing these scriptures so that the scriptures you can appropriate for yourself, put yourself in them, and confess them, meditate on them morning, evening. And if you have symptom is increasing, meditate on it four times. Take more of God's, take more. There's, there's no side effect. Take more. Is it not a life, your life? What does it cost you? Take more now. Huh? You may take it in the morning, you are in the afternoon, you are in the evening more before you go to bed. Wow. Increase it. If they are increasing pressure on you, you increase your own pressure back on them. Put your faith pressure, pile it on them. You want a battle, you go on. I'm going nowhere. You are, you are running. Yeah, increase it. Take your Bible, increase it. Read it, say so. Let the healed say so. Say so. Surely, my sicknesses he had borne, my pains he had carried them, and we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. And he was pierced for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace on him, by his bruise, there is healing for me. There is bruise by his stripes. Whatever language, put it like that. Even if it's Hebrew, you can speak, speak it so. By the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. I've been healed, devil. I've been healed. That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Look, the, 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 the disciple said, he said to God, you spoke by the mouth of David. This is God speaking by the mouth of Isaiah to you. This is God talking. Quote it, say so. Then Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. The all that is within me, bless his soul in him. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, you can't. Who forgives all my iniquities? Yeah, the blood of Jesus is speaking for me. 
who, for, who heals all, not some, all my diseases. Bless the Lord. Lord, I thank you. All my diseases are healed. In Christ Jesus, they are healed. Your word is true, forever true. If, if all my diseases you heal. Oh, I keep saying it. I keep saying it. I keep thanking him for it. I take these things one by one, thanking him for it, thanking him for it, thanking him. I keep saying it. I keep saying it. Then I go to the next one. Who forgives all my, who, who redeems my life from destruction? Woo, that's it now. My life is redeemed by the blood from destruction. I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. I'm not under the influence of kingdom of the devil. The soul that sinned shall die. I am not under the judgment of soul that sinned. Because Christ has forgiven my sins, I'm justified to life. The gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life is life, not death. I don't have the judgment of sin. For the judgment of sin in my life lays on Christ. Can't operate in my life. I'm under the justification of Christ. Freely received to life. I'm justified to good health. Justified to sound life, sound mind. I am justified, freely given to me in Christ. Say so. Any, anything you can remember, pack it in at that moment. Go everywhere you can remember. Any, let it flow. Let it come. Religious spirit. Let it talk. But this one just opens you up. Sometimes you can. You won't know when 30 minutes, 15 minutes is gone. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness? Tell them, yes, because of the Lord's mercy, I'm not consumed. Why? Because the blood speaks mercy. The throne is throne of grace. Grace is there for me, unmerited. Yes, they will say, you don't deserve it. Yeah, because the throne is great, throne of grace. Shut up, get out. <laughs> I'm getting mercy. What's your problem? It's my benefit. The blood gave me that right. And because of the Lord's mercy, you can't, I'm not consumed. I can't be consumed because all the benefit of the cross is mine. Because it's grace. Saved by grace. Received by faith. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Man, when I get here, hey, the one that gets me excited, I said to the Lord, I said, in the Old Testament, the Bible said there was no feeble among them. I said, I'm in a better covenant, so I am not feeble. There can't be feebleness in this body. There cannot be. For the mouth of the Lord said, there was not none feeble among them in the Old Testament. I'm in a far better testament. There's no feebleness. And my eye is not feeble. My heart is not feeble. But man, I go everywhere. No feebleness. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear? I pray that God will help us in Jesus' name. Let me pray. Precious Father, I just want to thank you for your word that has come forth to us, directing us, that we should focus on eternal life, which you died to give us. That life will bring us to where we can see the glory of God beyond what we have ever even imagined, the glory of Jesus the power of God, the glory of heaven, the joy that you sent to us. Father, thank you for teaching us that we can fight and we are winners. We overcome us. You have pronounced those winners already and we are here to win. 
There's nothing like losing. There's nothing like defeat. You didn't call us losers. You say we overcome us. So we have to live up to that. We are more than conquerors. To you be all the glory. Blessed be thy name. Father, I commit all these things into your hand. Lord, only your spirit will make sense out of it for us. And you are here to do that. I trust you to do that in every hearer. And bring us to the level where we can begin to understand the plan in all details, in all ramifications, so that we bring us to a perfect relationship with Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.